story time with Gina and Zena. Hi, I'm Zbex. Over at Go Gina. Today we are storytelling March of the Machine, episode six, The Last to Leave by Kay Arsenault Rivera. And make sure you hit the subscribe button. And if you're liking our videos, like button always works too, you know? Comments as well. Gina, why don't you take us into the story? This is really cool because it's a lot like a Christmas carol and Elsbeth is being led around by the ghost of Phyrexian present. I didn't quite think of it like that, but it really is. Yeah, she's just going from place to place, seeing things that are meaningful and help her decide what she's going to do when she like wakes up. So it starts with fear is the first thing she remembers, which is very spooky. Uh, Elsbeth finds herself in a place that she remembers. It's a mildewy dungeon and there's a monster about to attack a young girl and the body of her mother is lying nearby with her throat torn open. And Elsbeth has what that girl didn't have then. She's got a sword. So she easily stabs the monster, comforts the girl. This story starts so brutal. The sword is going through the top of the monster's mouth. Oil spills out. And this place that we're in is also so disgusting. The descriptive words of a burning ozone taste in the roof of her mouth made me think of like, the forest fire smoke we had in the Pacific Northwest last summer with like, if you had to wash your mouth out with motor oil, I don't know. It was very descriptive. A very vivid sense memory. The girl thanks her, but she doesn't sound like a young girl. And uh, Elsbeth responds to her like, well, keeping people safe is what I do. It's a very superhero thing to say. And the girl says, yes, but you're seeing this with new eyes now. Once this was difficult for you. And Elsbeth recognizes the girl as her younger self, who tells her, it's time to wake up. And then the floors give out, the walls fly away, and the girl's face turns into her mother's. And then it is time. Take the red pill, take the blue pill. (laughs) You're in Wonderland now. (laughs) Her mother's face says, you have a choice to make. And then Elsbeth falls again, and she sees her childhood village. And her hands are shiny and her shoulder blades are prickling. And she sees this like glittering feather fall from nowhere and just kind of float in front of her. Is this like the beginning of our most fabulous Cinderella transformation moment? But she can't focus on that right now because her mother says, you made a choice and rewrote fate. Part of you knew it was time to awaken. You first must leave your old self behind. So she starts to think back and she vaguely remembers the Silex and her friends arguing and taking a difficult action. And she really wonders if she's dead and hallucinating all of this. And her mother's like, oh, you're not. And Elizabeth's like, hmm, I don't like someone reading my thoughts. And your mom said, well, you think loudly. (laughs) She also kind of wonders how she got here. And the mother is also like, don't worry, you came here of your own volition. You did this, not me. Like, you haven't been kidnapped, you made a choice to get here, uh, but we need you to make another choice. (laughs) Stones are stacking higher and higher until she recognizes New Capenna. And her mother figure tells her all the planes are aflame, and Elsbeth is going to see much and has to make a choice and decide whether where to intervene. And her mortal wants and desires must not enter into the equation. 
So then we're going to see some familiar scenes. Elsbeth sees a cabin, a friend in tears, a woman in a ship, a man at war with what was once a dragon. And she thinks to herself, oh, this is about Phyrexia. And as soon as she thinks Phyrexia, the skies go red and a tendril wraps around the city. Cracks run up that tower in New Capenna and oil coats the surface. And this is such a cool thing, the way that they're floating around and seeing things, because Elsbeth zooms in and her mother shows her Atraxa, an angel corrupted by four praetors harvesting civilians with a scythe like they're wheat or something. And Elsbeth, <laughs> she wants to help and she keeps trying to do stuff, but it's like she's a ghost and her hands are just fading through whatever she tries to touch. It is just like the ghosts of Christmas path. I just I just felt like it was just all memories floating around, but it it is framed quite nicely. Like it's cool. I actually just I love this whole style, the way the story is told visually. Her mother reminds her again, you have to choose where to help. Like you can't just try to help anybody right now. Uh mom lays out the situation. You know, we have a personal history here. This was our home. Atraxa has been ordered to wipe out this place entirely. Some will fight. Others will be corrupted. You could help them. So this is her first chance to make a choice. She considers, but she knows she has to make the right choice. And New Capenna has defenders. So she says, this isn't the place. Nope, not the one. We've got, we've got our first pill, so to speak, on the table. And she's like, nope, not taking this one. So the walls fly out again, and she sees things like students running from changed professors, a woman in a black bridal dress singing over some zombies, and then it jerks to a stop between a red sky and a red sea in Theros. And now the voice has changed. She looks at the figure, and it takes the form of Daxos, Elsbeth's dead husband. And he says, welcome home. So this is a big moment for her, seeing her husband again. <laughs> yes, and he had been a big mentor to her, too, as a friend as well, not just as her husband. And this person is super important to her, and he shows her the destruction of Theros, the white statues painted with oil masks, a Johnny standing on the altar, giving persuasive speeches and convincing priestesses to drink the oil. It's so gross. A Johnny's over on Theros, as we had seen Norn sent him there to destroy the gods yeah elsbeth realizes oh my gosh he's trying to convert the gods and daxos tells her well he's already changed three of them and she realizes they're in the temple of heliod and feels like a kind of a little bit sick being tested like this knowing how much this would affect her and this arrow zooms in and it shatters the bowl in ajani's hands and elsbeth's like oh so there's still heroes on theros Daxo's like, yeah, but keep watching. They blip to a different part of the temple. The archer gets apprehended, brought back to the altar. Everything goes back to business as usual. Ajani resumes forcing the priestess to drink the oil while all the faithful watch. Not very hopeful for our Theros heroes at this moment. Ajani looks like he's running the show. Daxo says, you're the bravest woman I've ever known, and you've always tried to do the right thing. You could save Theros. So she considers choosing Theros, fighting Ajani, but then asks herself, what good would saving Theros do? Are these people more worth saving than those on Nucapenna? And that's pretty much her choice. She doesn't want to leave Daxos, but the world falls away again. As you've seen on some cards like Solidarity of Heroes, Elspeth and Ajani are close friends, just as much as Daxos and Elspeth. 
we're close. So it's that angel and devil situation. Which side are you going to choose? And she probably still wonders if she could save him in some way. Or if by defeating him, that would be saving him. The world falls away and she sees a dinosaur fighting a dinobot, a castle reduced to rubble, a young man finding a sigil to defend his family, horsemen beating war drums, neon city, strange swamps, and she just keeps falling and falling until she lands in a place she hoped she'd never see again, New Phyrexia. Elsbeth sees the invasion tree and huge armies. She hears a voice. You have a choice to make. So she starts looking around. She zooms in to see the base of the tree and Elish Norn is watching a captured Urabrask as his limbs are just wrenched away from his body. <laughs> Ooh, poor Urabrask. You know, there are two choirs singing the glories of Phyrexia. One was not enough. There are two. And Norn snaps and they stop singing. She snaps again. Urabrask is cut into quarters and carried away. Third snap. Flying creatures bring in Karn's body, and his eyes are full of pain. I'm not surprised that Urabrask didn't make it. As soon as you start helping the other planeswalkers, Norn's gonna know you're a praetor gone soured and is gonna start using her dictatorship over you. The Mirans have been captured, and Elish Norn gloats as she bestows the honor of completion upon them. And Elspeth hates this. Her, her hand immediately goes for her sword. And then that voice is a woman's voice again and says, think about what you're doing. You only have one opportunity to choose. Choose falsely and everything ends here. And Elsbeth thinks this is easy. She says, Norn has to die. But the voice asks, does she? She's finally had her hero moment that she has to die. I'm like, yeah, go, Elsbeth. You've made the right choice. But has she made her choice yet? We don't know. This is trying to like, hold on. Let me let me just lay out your options again for you. And uh, the voice continues on telling the story of Sarah, a woman in white who created a world all her own, her own plane where angels dwelled. It was a wonderful place. But after a wizard came asking for help, the Phyrexians attacked. And Norn might think that she's the beginning and end of Phyrexia, but she's not. Killing her won't actually end this. I started freaking out because Elspeth is remembering a lady in white and that is Sarah. Does that mean that Sarah could be Elspeth's mom, who is in fact speaking her and guiding her right now? Which, as we talked about in the last episodes, the kind of sleeper agent angel set up in New Capenna was Elspeth the seed planted by Sarah so long ago. Elspeth watches as Nyssa brings three prisoners before Elish Norn, Koth, Ren, and Chandra. Norn congratulates Nyssa on scouring away her past life and asks, how do you feel looking at them? And Nyssa answers, contempt, pity. And Elspeth's hand just starts twitching towards her sword again, like, I, I gotta decapitate somebody. Norn is triumphantly announcing, Phyrexia embraces all. Phyrexia perfects all. We are not without mercy towards lesser beings. And she asks Jingataxis to harvest and complete them all. Finish off those and armies. Get the Myrians into Phyrexians. And then everything stops. Like somebody hit the pause button. And the woman says the time has come for Elspeth to make her decision. But Elspeth has some questions of her own first. Who are you? <laughs> this cracks me up because this entire episode is like, you have to make a choice. The voice says the choice is now. And Elspeth almost goes, wait, let me take a selfie. She actually pauses and says, can I have another minute? 
when asked who she is, the woman answers, you know already. So, ooh. Think carefully. Do you still think Norn must be killed? And Elspeth says, but when a limb's gone sour, you have to cut it off. And the woman nods and asks, yeah, but where did you hear that before? And she thinks back. Ren said something like that by the cabin in episode two. The scene changes. Everything around them grows dimmer, like almost translucent. It's, it's almost like everything goes black and white, except for the two that are still bright and in color, and that's Nyssa and Ren. Elspeth barely knows Nyssa. So she thinks for a while and realizes, oh, the decision isn't whether to save Nyssa or save Ren. The decision is to keep Nyssa occupied long enough for Ren to reach the tree. So the woman double checks with her. Is that your final answer? Are you certain this is what you want to do? Elsbeth says, this is the right thing to do. And the voice says, so it is. I cannot fight alongside you, even though I wish I could. But I can forge you into what you were always meant to be. There it is. She has wings. Elsbeth sees her. Yeah, her body's coming into focus. And wow, what a body. <laughs> and this voice even says to her, uh, fear is always the last thing to leave. Because Elspeth says she's afraid. And the woman says, well, you've, you've slain fear time and time again. Do not falter now, Elspeth. And it's the last thing she hears before Sarah fades away. Yes, it was Sarah. Sarah was here the whole time. <laughs> okay, real quick. I had not read this episode when I posted my little story. I don't know. Did you see my video with Air Bubbles cosplay as Elspeth when I was dressed oh. up as Sarah the Benevolent? I hadn't read this yet. And people, I was like, oh, my gosh, Elspeth, I called it. She's going to become an angel and save it. And then people are like, and you're Sarah. And I hadn't read this yet. And now I'm like, oh, my gosh, and I was Sarah. <laughs> Like, that was totally <laughs> unplanned. I just happened to be wearing that cosplay. So perfect. This is my freak out episode. Like, I just freaked out the entire time while reading this. Because that, that's it. That's the end of the, the uh, chapter. Yeah, Elsbeth feels herself being reborn. She's got wings. She is Elsbeth, and she isn't Elsbeth because she's new Elsbeth. When Jinka Taxis raises his claws, her sword is there to meet them. And that's where we cut off. Did you have a favorite quote from this story? My favorite quote is is the quote about fear being the last thing to leave and that you've slain it time and time again. Do not falter now, Elsbeth. That that was just a really nice moment. I love that. Especially with all of the other parts of the story that have talked about fear. It it really brings a nice full circle to it. But you did you have a, a favorite quote from the story? I did. There is one line of text where Elspeth is starting to kind of sense that she might be turning into an angel. This is my favorite part because it says a glittering feather falls from nowhere. And the fact that it is a glittering feather. We got glitter and magic. That's all I need. I'm done. That was glitter. I just kept picturing Elspeth transforming like Sailor Moon because she's got her glitter and everything. Moon prism magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God send sword angel 
great. Now, I feel like there was a missed opportunity uh, for images in this story. Why didn't we get the Sailor Moon transformation photo? <laughs> I don't know. Well, it should have been one. We did. We kind of did get it at the very end. Yeah, there's like this this kind of silhouette in a in a doorway. Uh, it's kind of cool because you can kind of see this lost area she's been in while she's been waiting to come back into the world. And uh, the feathers floating around is really neat. While we're talking about the photos, did you have a favorite photo for this story? The most compelling one is the grossest one, and I don't want to pick it. We'll highlight it. It's not picking it, so we'll just show okay. it real quick. I don't love this, but Urabrask is being torn to bits, and it's, like, horrifying. What's your real favorite? I think I actually like the uh, priestess because she looks so haunted. It's very creepy. The priestess with the bowl. And we didn't talk about her very much in the story. She happens to be somebody that Elspeth doesn't notice because she's too distracted by a Johnny. Yeah, it takes her a minute to realize uh, what's being done to this person. Cool. Good stuff. Well, on to episode seven? Yep. Yeah.